I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Or head office that right. you're on the UK Film Review podcast. It's you know. got it's, it's got potential, hasn't it? We got we got to look at every possibility, haven't we, Chris? Really, to yeah. spread the word. Yeah, we could uh, find out what his uh, favourite Christmas film is, maybe, and you know, yeah. get that in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is the time of time of year, isn't it? Really, it's a tradition, isn't it? We start talking about our favourite Christmas films. I mean, I noticed we've got a smattering of Christmas. Uh, movies to review tonight haven't we so yeah i mean some of that was uh purposeful by me and some of that was just uh chance uh, there was a filmmaker who submitted a, a christmas film which we'll get to yeah. um but yeah no this episode is is a mix and it's got it's got everything really you know not yeah. only that We've got a film that I've seen at the cinema, yeah. so this is huge news. You've <laughs> you've also seen something pre-release because yeah. you got you into a screening. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think the listeners are going to be in for a real treat. Yeah, we're going to we're spoiling them, aren't we? Really, with all this this truly eclectic mix. 
And also, I have a stinking cold, which if you can't tell from my voice, that's what's yeah, going on. Uh, so I'm not giving it to them by doing this as a podcast rather than going up to them in the street like I like to do and tell yeah. them my opinions on films. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I just got over a rather bad cold myself. So, you know, I, I do understand there's a lot of it about. That's what we normally say, don't we? Under, yeah. under these circumstances, there's a lot <laughs> there's of it a about. There's a lot of it about, yeah. And not always about colds. So, no. yeah. Oh, that's no. The, don't get, close, don't get too close to your microphone, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Or yours. Um, oh my, yeah, exactly, yeah. If this is your first time to UK Film Club, you're probably wondering, what the heck is going on? Yeah. What are these two guys blabbering yeah. about? Um, there's going to be a lot of that. And if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, UK Film Club is a place where we review all films, any type of film, uh, including as we've mentioned, Christmas films. Um, but that is largely just this time of year. We're also going to be reviewing a bunch of cinema films, which Brian has seen. We're going to be, uh, and one I've seen, we're going to be reviewing a streaming pick, something that's on Netflix. Then we're going to head into a bunch of indie and short films that we uh, get submitted to the website. And we're going to review about five of those. And finishing up, with the nostalgia pick which is a film from the past mm. and this uh episode's nostalgia pick is a christmas classic um but i won't say exactly what it is but you could probably just read the description of the episode if you're really that you know desperate to know um mm. but anyway uh yeah there's lots to get through um and as I said, I've seen something in the cinema. I'm going to save that because it is a right. pretty special film. So why don't we kick off, Brian, with the new uh, Nicolas Cage film, Dream Scenario. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Let's start off with that one. So written and directed by Christopher Borgley, this stars Nicolas Cage, as you just mentioned, and Julianne Nicholson. Paul Matthews is a quiet, mild-mannered university professor who breezes through life without much incident. This apparent calm is disturbed when his daughter relates a dream that she swept away and her father does nothing to stop it. Paul is deeply troubled by the dream. Why would he just stand by and watch his daughter in, in mortal danger? Even in the context of the dream, it runs contrary to the natural inclination to protect his children. This is a list of his problems as he also creeps into the dreams of his students. What is initially seen as a joke becomes more sinister as the dreams are increasingly explicit and violent. Paul's life and personal relationships are affected as the dreams mysteriously spread across the nation. Nicholas Cage thoroughly buries his existing persona in favour of a balding, grey-bearded academic. This makes the character even more refreshing because it seems so different from his previous work. Christopher Borgby has crafted a character that outwardly couldn't be less threatening if he tried and would be the last man with a starring role in someone's nightmare. This is a weakness in it. There is a weakness in the narrative that doesn't move very far and fails to properly explain why it's happening. But then again, maybe that's exactly the point. The unexplained subconscious creating a dream scenario that makes no real sense. All good fun, as long as the audience doesn't get too logical. <laughs> so that's like that last bit is like true about every film, right? Don't don't, yeah, cool. don't pull it apart too much. Yeah, no, but you see, we are critics, though, Chris, aren't we? And and that natural inclination is to sort of ask why. I mean, look, you can be as outrageous and outlandish as you like with any plot, as long as you keep some grip on reality. There's something quite fascinating about dreams because they are symbolic. 
they do mean something, or we tell ourselves they mean something. But this is taking it a stage further. And if you question the, the plot too much, it loses its power to, up to a certain extent. But all very good fun, though. And pretty much in the horror genre, not comedy, as it's being banished by some reviewers. Yeah, because uh, when I looked it up, I thought it's a interesting mix of genres. Obviously, comedy horrors are always a bit kind of mm. uh, risky, I would say. And yeah. to stick Nicolas Cage in, who has he's he's got a toe in both camps, uh, but I would say probably more in the comedy side of things yeah, than the, than I the horror. So, yeah. um, to then see, and like you said, the type of character, the physical appearance of this character was like so far removed from mm. what you expect from yeah. Cage. Yeah. Is it kind of like, uh, is it darker? Is it is it a darker film than comedy or is it more light? No, I think it is very dark. Okay. I wouldn't call it a comedy at all. I mean, I didn't, I mean, maybe it was the mood I was in when I saw the film, but I didn't find anything remotely funny about it, right? Some people might find an element of humour there, but it is very dark. It is in the horror genre. It sits very well there because it's dealing with, with some very challenging themes that we can't necessarily explain. And, you know, it ties in with horror, supernatural, you know, that type of bag. It's definitely it's definitely in that territory. But I think it's all the stronger for it, though, and that's where it rightfully belongs. But I, I imagine that it won't work for a lot of, a lot of people because... Perhaps they do expect Cage to um, make light of it because because he he is a, a very good comedy actor. He can play it straight, but he can play comedy really well. But he plays it straight here, and his appearance, as I say, his appearance looks totally different. You would barely recognise it. It looks like he's put on weight as well for the part. I'm not saying he has, but it just looks like that. So it's completely out of character. If you if you compare it to sort of like his biggest films. Like I don't know the Rock, for example. Um, yeah. It's I mean the character could be more different, but that might be what appeals to him is that it is very different. It's something he hasn't really done before. Well, especially you know, in recent years, we've had a lot of Nick Cage films, even a film about him. Right, the uh, massive, a kind of unbearable bit, weight of uh, massive uh, talent. Yeah, that's something. That actually was very good. I enjoyed yeah, that film. It's good but fun. Yeah. you know, even to be picking fun at himself, you know, he's become kind of pastiche. He's become this yeah. uh, character that is almost just iconic upon itself. Yeah. That for him to step into a role like this, it's it's true of a you know a great actor. It's a sign of a great actor that they're able to do that. They're able to even be on one hand like the butt of the joke, and then on the other hand doing a what sounds like more of a horror slash yeah. comedy. Yeah. and really changing the physical appearance to just throw himself into it. I think that's great. I, I really yeah. do like Nicolas Cage. I think he's got a great filmography. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I I, think he's a good actor. I think he's underrated in some ways. You know, he's always made films that are popular, that make a certain amount of money in the box office. But I think he... he I don't think he's been fully accepted as someone who can act, who can handle different genres different characters, and this proves it even more, that he's very versatile and he can do it. So, yeah, a good film, a good solid film. Again, may not work for everyone, but it's challenging and it's worth seeing. 
Okay, yeah. So that's Dream Scenario and um, currently in theatres. So mm-hmm. if you can catch it, do catch it. That's what mm-hmm. we say. Yeah. Um, but don't catch our cold, whatever you, whatever that you was, do. That was very good, that. Great you segment, know what? And that, you know. that came to me with a head full of cold. So Oh, you hadn't rehearsed that then? No, 100% very cool. I don't rehearse yeah. anything. Bro. And I saw some sinus off the cuff. Yeah, of course, it, cuff. course it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, checks notes. Yes, that's what I say next. Um well, from one incredible actor to some more, we're going to go to the Miracle Club now. Ah, um, right. And okay. this this is a hell of a lineup. It is, yeah, very much so. Directed by Thaddeus O'Sullivan, starring Maggie Smith, Kathy Bates, Laura Linney, and Stephen Ryan. We go back to Dublin in the 1960s. Locals are increasingly agitated by a talent competition, offering a trip to the Holy Shrine at Lourdes. Now everyone's looking for a miracle. As Lil and Eileen join an unlikely girl group in the competition, they both win tickets and make plans for their pilgrimage. But they face a part, well, a face from the past derails their preparations. Chrissy was best friends with Eileen, but suddenly left town following a tragic incident. Lil is the mother of Chrissy's first love and also has many axes to grind. Can a trip to Lords heal a rift that's festered for 40 years? There are caricatures of the Irish and dubious accents to match. Laura Linney gets away with it, playing a character that's lived in America for 40 years. Maggie Smith and Kathy Bates give the accent a fair run for its money, like the true thespians they are. But the accents remain an ongoing weakness throughout the film. Stephen Rayer lends strong support as Eileen's husband, Frank, but is quickly relegated to a him indoors role when the girls leave for Lords. For all its obvious defects, the Miracle Club keeps away from the two-star territory, thanks primarily to an outstanding cast. The story carries a much stronger message than it might initially suggest. It deals with faith and superstition in the most practical way that's refreshing to see on the big screen. But if there was ever a film that was saved by the cast, it's this film, frankly. But again, very nice, very watchable, some good performances. The accents are a bit variable you know they do hover between belfast and dublin via birmingham but you know i'm prepared to forgive them that um a good watch a good watch really it's funny isn't it how that can really uh affect an enjoyment of a film because often it's like why like why would you cast I mean, I get, mm. I get it here because these are absolute titans of yeah. you know, film. Yeah. But even so, it's like you're gonna, yes, have great actors, but you're gonna lose that sense of authenticity by mm. not casting someone that is you know, from the place. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I just feel that that's such an important part because it does really jar you. I can't remember. We were watching something recently. Yeah. My wife, we got like halfway through it, and she just said. I can't actually carry on because of this person's <laughs> accent. And that's yeah. how bad the film is. I can't actually remember what the film was, but it was someone putting on an American accent and yeah. they were clearly British and it just yeah. kept coming through. But anyway, so the Miracle Club, we're saying kind of what, middling kind of film? It's not yeah, up it, there, but it's worth a worth a punt? Yeah. My, my feeling was that it was a, a three-star film that won an extra star in my own mind because of the performances of the actors involved. We will, we've already mentioned the uh, variable accents, which is often an issue for a film like this. And we know it doesn't have the authenticity it might have had with Irish-born actors. But star quality wins through. The cast they have got helps to sell the film in America, which is always an important consideration. 
So for that, it gets an extra star, but you get to see some very good actors breathing life into what would otherwise have been a very routine story about superstition, about faith, but they do it very well. And they were fortunate to have a cast that was so capable and that will carry a film. And it's the true, it's, it's the true indication of, of good actors who can make it work. Yeah, and I think audiences will know what they're getting if they go to the cinema for a film with this type of cast that's yeah. not winning any kind of massive favour with the critics. I think no. they'll sort of know where it sits. But yeah. it is in cinemas right now, um, if you're listening to this on release. And mm. yeah, it's called The Miracle Club. Let us know what you think if you see yeah. it um, and see if you agree with Brian's three-star rating. Yeah. Um, heading hopefully now to something slightly stronger and better, mm. um, Brian was very fortunate to go to a pre-screening of Earth Mama. Over to you, Brian. That's right, I was. Okay, then. So written and directed by Savannah Leaf, starring Tia Nomor and Erica Alexander. Gia is a mother of two children in care with another on the way. She is a recovering addict and enrolled on every recovery program humanly possible. Every positive step brings her closer to getting her children back. Gia dreams of the day she can stand up in court and prove her fitness as a mother. A social worker, Miss Carmen, becomes a friend and honest broker. Could adoption be the solution to Gia's problems? Earth Mama pulls absolutely no punches in a bleak but sadly realistic snapshot of urban life. It's a story that's been told many times before, but some hit the spot better than others. There is a detached, almost visceral quality that really stands out. As a character, Gia will ask for no favours, nor will she complain about how she got here. To her, raking over the past is a waste of energy. When the present has plenty to keep her busy, she's simply asking, what do I do now? As a viewer, it's easy to buy into Gia's predicament as she battles to do the right thing. There is a natural glow of simplicity that doesn't feel staged or constructed. It's hugely reminiscent of the final wall documentary, where the characters are facing problems that are universally understood. We see real people living real lives, which gives the story an undeniable impact. Any director who can project this level of realism onto the big screen has achieved a rare feat. I mean, it was good. It was I was going to say, that was a, yeah. a very yeah. strong review, and I know that yeah. you liked the film uh, after you'd been, but it's really powerful hearing how you're describing the film as well, because it's clearly you know, deep and meaningful, and there's a yeah. lot there. Um, yeah, I think it sounds fabulous. Um, yeah. Is it the sort of film people should see at the cinema? Is it that kind of immersive experience yeah. that you're going to want? Yeah, I feel they should. You know, I mean, this type of story, people may think it belongs on the small screen. It's a kitchen sink drama, or you could call it that. But this is a, the way it's made, the way it's shot, it's designed for the big screen. And it's not a comfortable watch, but therein lies the real power, is that it's, it's showing you a side of life that isn't pleasant to think about, but it happens. It's, it happens across the world. You know, you've got a young girl who's still growing up, but also trying to be a mother as well. With, and she has all these other issues in her life to deal with. So it's, a, it's a, a, an excellent portrayal of a tough life, of somebody living a very tough life at a very young age. And it works really well. This film goes on general release on the 8th of December. And I hope people do go, go and see it. But it might not necessarily sit very well with uh, the Christmas crowd and the other films that are on release at the moment. But... It deserves to. It deserves a, 
a go on the big screen and people should give it a chance. But it's very good. The fact that I I was able to talk so much about it and speak so much about it gives you an idea of the, the effects it had on me. Yeah, I think you know, it's the kind of film that often when you go see something like this at the cinema, you get surprised by how affecting it is. Whereas something... I don't know, like the, the last film we just reviewed, it could be like, you, you know what to expect. You know how that's going to go. Whereas with this, I think it's doing something different. It feels like it's, uh, you know, more of a unique story. And also, I believe it's the filmmaker's first feature-length, uh, Savannah Leaf. I think it's her first feature-length film. Um, just done some shorts, I think, beforehand. Quite a few shorts, to be fair, and music videos. But still, I always think it's really powerful to support like a filmmaker's first directorial uh for a feature because you then get to experience you know, this is how they'll handle it you know, the first time you know, obviously yes there might not be it might not be the perfect film but to have come away with such good reviews already just shows that she you know, must be a pretty promising director okay well next up is a film that i saw at the cinema largely because i wanted to take my daughter she's five mm. and it's the First time she's been to the cinema. So, yeah, I took her to see Earth Mama as well. No, I didn't really. No, I, took her to hey. see, <laughs> I took her to see uh, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, which we are big fans in this household. We've seen lots of Paw Patrol, of the, the other movies and the, uh, the series. And, yeah, this was a sort of perfect time for me to bring my daughter to the cinema because I knew it's something that she would sit through because it's an hour and a half. It's not like a short film. Mm. And... Yeah, I was thoroughly impressed by my daughter's resolve to sit there and watch it. She was perfect in the cinema. You'd be very proud, Brian. No, no, no shouting, no throwing Brilliant. anything. She didn't That's even get up from her seat to go to the toilet, which wow. is, to be honest, unheard of for that length of time. Yeah, so, um, I, you've um, got a very well trained, haven't you? You've obviously got yeah, a very well trained. Straight away. I mean, I did strap her in, but uh, no. It, this is um, for anyone that is. Uh, not aware of Paw Patrol. It's um, a group of dogs who solve crime, or crime they, they sort of have different abilities and a different skill set, and they have their leader called Ryder, who is a human. And basically, they normally uh, operate in Adventure Bay, going around, and it started as a sort of simple TV show, and they were doing simple things. It has now escalated up to the point where we're getting these big blockbuster animated movies that, are more akin probably to something along the Marvel sort of franchise, really. Um, and also relying heavily on merchandise, hence why I am now incredibly poor. Uh, not to mention going to the cinema these days. My goodness, that was expensive. Um, mm, <laughs> but that just shows you how uh, infrequently I go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in uh, in this movie the Paw Patrol pups get superpowers um which actually happened in the show so I'm not sure where the crossover here happened and yeah it's got a big um big cast depending on where you see it because or, or how you see it because uh, this is kind of more of a, an in thing but with Paw Patrol if you watch it on say Netflix you get the American cast voices but if you watch oh. it on say like uh, one of the British TV channels or something, or Channel 5, you get the English voice cast. So when I saw it at the cinema, it mm. was with the British voice cast, which was quite uh, jolting, to say the least, because you're yeah. used to these voices being American, and suddenly yeah. uh, it got this British, uh, British cast. So I'm not 100% sure who's in the British version, and I know who's kind of in the 
uh, American version, but that's not the one I saw. So just a heads up for any parent that is planning on seeing the Paw Patrol movie. Um, yeah, the, the voices might differ slightly. Um, but it's good. It's good fun. Uh, it's very much fast-paced, lots of, you know, structured uh sequences of action you know they have there you could you could plot this film exactly identically to the previous film Um, i'm sure sure, yeah but it's 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 good it's they know what they're doing they know how to make a few in jokes for the parents um but largely they do rely on these characters which have been well sculpted you know they've spent a long time with these characters um and they're just doing something a little bit bigger i think for the for all the fans out there um yeah I don't think this is good. There was a film that had come out before this, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but the one before this actually was slightly better. Um, but this one is is pretty good. It's worth your time. Your kids are going to like it if they like Paw Patrol. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't go. It's, it's not in the same league as something like, uh, you know, Spidey, Spideyverse, you know, mm. all that sort of stuff, um, in terms of it being kind of more of a grown-up, animated film this is still very much geared towards young children um but it is good if you like ball patrol so it's in i mean i was lucky to see it because it's been in cinemas for a while since september it's one of those films that because it ticks the box for a family film of all Mm. ages Mm. i think they do very well and they get to just kind of stay there as long as bums on seats are coming in you'll Mm. get a lot of repeat visits a lot of you know parents coming again yeah. and, and sitting there through it all again yeah. it's, um, it's well it seems to me i mean i've only seen your trailer here and there and read up a bit on it but it does the job doesn't it i mean it's a perfect film for the family isn't it really that it's short you know your kids don't have to concentrate for too long what is it 88 minutes yeah it's it's perfect in that way and I mean, I think, is it a TV series as well? Yeah, so it's been a series for a long time, um, quite a few series, but they they started making kind of feature-length episodes that were more about, well, not feature-length, but they were 40 minutes. Mm. Um, so they were kind of like, because a, a, a standard episode is more like 10 or, or 20, I think. So, yeah, they were doing these sort of longer episodes. Then they started yeah. graduating more towards the sort of hour, hour 20 mark. Um, but what they did with the first film, the, the bigger film it was yeah. they gave you the origin story of one of the characters and oh, then right. with this film they've done it on a different character so i am wondering if that's kind of their plan is to just try to go through all the characters and say this is how they kind of came into yeah. the portrait but that's absolutely fine yeah. more power to them um yeah that's really I, work what i think's interesting though is that they used the british cast to voice the characters for the uk and they've stuck with an american cast for the North American version, which I think is an interesting approach, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it feels the, un, it feels a bit unnecessary for Western mm, audiences mm. that you know from English majority speaking countries, because as I say, we're all quite used to American voices, and with us with something like this, the action, the characters, even mm. just down to things like you know how they drive, where they drive, you know, yeah, it yeah. is kind of American. It feels American. So. To give it British accents, in my opinion, kind of is quite jolting. It was like, this doesn't really fit. Um, But I think if if you've only ever watched it with the British voices, I think you wouldn't notice. But for me, I was like, oh, this is weird. They're trying to make it more accessible, I guess, aren't they, really? You know, the the fact that they're making them English or British, it's a deliberate move to try and make it more accessible to UK audiences. But I almost wonder whether that's even necessary, really, because... 
you know, we become used to American accents on C film and CV for God knows how long. So it shouldn't really uh, present that much of a barrier. But it's interesting that they've done that. But it's Maybe we of, should do that with this podcast. You know, the, anyone in America listening, we should get some uh, American yeah. versions of us. Yeah, know, I mean, maybe we should try American accents. You know, we might need a bit of coaching. That. I mean, I mean after, after you having a go at, you know, Maggie Smith's Irish accent, I'm not sure well, we should start trying on accents, Brian. I know, I know. Maybe we're on, on shaky ground. Chris, there is one, one small point I'd like to come back to with regard to Earth Mama. Okay, um, yeah, different. You know, we men- you know, we've always mentioned with short films is that there's potential for it to become a feature-length film. Yeah. Right? Well, with Earth Mama, that actually happened because it is actually based on a short film that Savannah Luther director made. It's called the, the short version is called The Heart Still Hums. Okay. And based on the success of that short feature, we got this film. So I wanted to uh, mention that because we've often spoken of that, haven't we, about... Well, that is fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's actually really powerful to hear that because we get a lot of filmmakers and some of which we'll review today yeah. who've done short films and yeah. with the idea of making it a feature. So, yeah, yeah, it's always really great seeing that actually happen. Yeah, so I wanted to mention that specifically because it kind of dovetails with what we've always discussed about short films and the potential they might have to go on and become a series or a feature-length film. But Earth Mama, very good. I can't recommend it enough. Out on... Out on January 8th, the 8th of December. There you go. And, you know, Paw Patrol also started as a short TV show and then became this mighty movie. So it all links, really. Yeah, think big. <laughs> think big. Think big. Yeah. Um, probably not the case with the next film. Um, we're moving on now to our streaming pick. Now, this is a film from any streaming service, which I decide on really largely mm-hmm. it's mostly been netflix movies because they are very good at letting us know what's coming mm-hmm. um kind of wish i hadn't picked this um <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you yeah, we'll, we'll get into it um it's a christmas film and it's called best dot christmas dot ever exclamation yeah. mark um so i'm already annoyed and uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I know. it's yeah, yeah ben, essentially a family ends up at the house of a semi-old kind of um, uh, university friend. She's not old, but th- their friendship is old. Mm. Um, but the the friend seems to have an amazing life going on. So our protagonist, played by Heather Graham, is largely jealous because of what she reads in their Christmas newsletter. And mm. that her child ends up taking care of the uh, sat-nav and directs them to this mm. amazing house mm. where they get snowed in and yeah. have to uh, spend Christmas with this other family, uh, albeit whilst um, questioning their own family life. Mm. Now, if the word contrived ever oh, could be used yeah. for the plot of a film, really? it feels like it is really? this one. <laughs> um, I, there were so many points in this film where I was like, yeah, but that's not how people would act. That's uh, not... Uh, anyway, anyway, what did you think of Best Christmas Ever, Brian? I, I thought it was just about bearable, if I'm being <laughs> absolutely honest. It does stretch credibility to breaking point. The, my, my first big big qualm with this film was the, the premise that they all got into a car, um, the two of them, the two kids, and they set off, apparently, to spend Christmas with her sister. Yeah. Right. And the kids secretly re- reprogram the sat nav uh, so that they end up going to Jennifer's house. Now, how on earth could they get to Jennifer's house and only just realize they're at the wrong house? 
that they're at, they're not at their her sister's house. They're at Jennifer's house. How could they travel all that way and not think to themselves, "Hang on a minute, this isn't the, the right way. We're not going to my sister's house." But they don't question it until they actually get there. If you see what I'm getting at, am I am I being pick, too picky? Do you think? I th- well, I don't want to try and explain it for them. But the only thing I think is, I don't think they've been to her sister's house yet. So I think it is a new house, and oh, I, never knew I, that. I think I might be wrong, but I think there's that. Plus, I think they do arrive kind of at night, and I can't, I that bit I can kind of say. Do you know what I'm gonna? I'll let you off that. You didn't know the kid had done it. And we are all kind of slaves to sat navs these days. If you drive, you know, you do kind of just follow yeah, it well, mindlessly. Yeah. But I do think, you know, mm-hmm. if I, I think one of them says, oh, we've been driving for an extra four hours that it should have taken. And it's it, like, well, maybe you should have realized. Yeah, well, this is what I'm getting at. And that kind of rips the, the heart out of the storyline a bit for me. Yeah. You know, but look, so there's that, right, to start with. Now, we, I think we know more or less that Christmas movies are going to follow familiar lines, aren't they? They're not going to deviate too far from what is accepted and what the formulas are for making a Christmas movie. But it, it was a bit twee, a bit corny, but it just stayed on the right side of bearable for me. Yeah, for me, it felt like um, Christmas Vacation, but nowhere near as good. Like, mm. it was like that, you know, feeling of Christmas is a time to reflect on your family and mm. you know, often they kind of, you feel, yeah. oh, my family's not very good and then you kind of go through Christmas and you realise your family is good. And that's fine. I don't mind these tropes and they are there because it's comfy mm. and warm. Yeah. But with this, it was flimsy and it was boring. I must say, I was watching, I was getting bored. Um, I just felt like... It was by the numbers. It felt like Netflix had said, guys, we need a Christmas film. You know, get a few people in it who know, you know the audiences are going to know. Rope it all together. You could write, you could bash this out in a day, yeah, you know, in terms know. of the writing. Yeah. And it just felt like there wasn't enough. Because with Christmas films, you either mm. go down the line of you're going to do a kind of satirical look, you know, like Christmas mm. Vacation, where it is kind of mm. you're playing maybe on the Scrooge thing, but largely you're going to do a a look at a, a realistic jaunt or you're going to go down the route of pure fantasy you know like mm-hmm. the uh nostalgia pick we've got this month but with this it was like they didn't think of anything kind of that clever to do the the more realistic route and then they threw in a little bit of like uh fantasy like mm. out of nowhere <laughs> that really yeah. didn't work yeah. um and it's kind of like yeah, it felt very uh, just thrown out there and they didn't even bother to come back and, and rewrite it to make sense and to even make it interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, one thing that for me did save the film from being a complete disaster was Brandy Norwood. Um, she was good, yeah. She very was good. good. She was yeah. very funny, very charismatic. Um, she felt like a character we wanted to spend more time with. And mm. obviously offset by Heather Graham's kind of uh, nitpicking slash uh, cynical character who yeah. is questioning her choices in life and you know, yeah. all that stuff. That was was okay. That was okay. But other than that, it, it felt like something that was a small part of a totally different film. <laughs> it was yeah. like they could have just had something else happen and yeah. it would have been absolutely fine. No, um, it, yeah, yeah I, I don't, it won't end up on anyone's favourite Christmas film list. I know, I'd be very surprised if it was. 
it, you know, you're right about Brandy Norwood. I think she was probably the star of the film in many ways, but she had a more sympathetic character as well. Heather Graham's character was quite, uh, wasn't particularly likable. She didn't endear herself particularly, did she, by the way she behaved. You know, she had all this festering resentment that Jennifer had everything and she didn't when really she has a nice life, but there's always somebody better off. There's always somebody worse off. So it didn't it didn't handle those basic Christmas messages particularly well. And I think you're right. I think I think it was, you know, a bit like, oh, we need we need a new Christmas movie to promote. And it had a decent budget by the look of it. But, you know, it, it didn't really work that well, but it was bearable. It was bearable, just it was, yeah, it, yeah. I think it was bearable, and I think it's the sort of film that uh, I don't know. Maybe if you've got a connection to someone in the film or whatever, you might want to watch it. Mm. But largely, it's it's pretty avoidable. No, um, no, but that agree. was best Christmas ever. Which yeah. again, I still don't understand that title. But anyway, I'll get sidetracked <laughs> now. Um, yeah. That don't, was our yeah. streaming pick for the month, but I do apologise because it's not one you should actually really no. seek out um, no. unless you do need to go to sleep. We are moving on <laughs> now. Well, actually, Ooh. we're not. We're not going too far. Actually, <laughs> we're staying in the Christmas vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, we're it's more. It's a UK uh, Christmas film called Christmas Time. Oh, wow. All right, all you crazy reindeers. Listen up for a rundown of last-minute openings in our event calendar. Terrific. Who here has ever seen a reindeer? Dad, we have to go reindeer spotting. It would be so cool to see an actual wild reindeer. No, we're only here for three days and there's lots of skiing to do. We're not interested in overpriced excursions and diversions. We do reindeer tours and Santa tours. Dad, we have to go and see Santa. Yeah, not for 50 euro ahead, we don't. What he means is that Santa will visit us at Christmas. Dad, what is the whole point in coming to Lapland if we're not going to go and sit on Santa's lap? Michael, this is the Snowden's annual skiing trip. And that's not even why it's called Lapland. They're just leveraging their marketing to take every penny I have. Ah, finally, you're here. Now, I'd like to book the full ski package for three days with lift pass included. You do realise there's no snow on the slopes? What? But that's the whole reason we're here. Global warming. The snowfall gets thinner and thinner every year. See? That's why we shouldn't eat meat. Mm. We came to ski. At least tell me there's artificial snow on the slopes. Authenticity is at our core. Yes, I can see that. We don't believe in fake snow. Santa works magic. Does he? Then can you tell me how Santa is going to get my family and myself up there skiing if you don't have any snow? Easy peasy. We have dry slopes. Now, this is an indie film that's been submitted to us for us to review. It's already been reviewed on our website. And I can say up front that Joe Beck, who reviewed it, did not like this film. Uh, no, I enjoyed no. it uh, much more than he did, I must say. Uh, but if you want to read Joe's review, that's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, now, Christmas time. Do you want to go for the plot on this one, Brian? Yeah, of course. So, Pirates of Bible, Dan- Daniel Collier, starring Neil James and Shelley Bentley. This is really a spin on Christmas Carol. It's basically Scrooge. The central character, Kevin Snowden, is a science teacher who hates Christmas. He drags his family off skiing just to avoid the festive period. 
Only this time his wife has switched their booking to Lapland so they can enjoy a proper Christmas. But this excursion takes an unexpected turn and forces Kevin to defront, confront his demons. I actually quite enjoyed this. I think if you take it for what it is, that it is an independent film with a small budget, relying on a familiar Christmas theme, I think it works really well. Yeah. And it's quite it's quite sweet, it's quite endearing. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um I think I went in with low expectation because I'd read Joe's review, but mm. I am also very aware that a lot of people don't like Christmas films in general. They yeah. don't they just as a genre. It's like some people who just don't like horror films. So if someone is very anti Christmas films, I kind of get that a lot from their uh, writing. Um I didn't know Joe didn't like Christmas films before I assigned him, but that's absolutely fine because I think you know Joe's a very good critic and he likes a lot of films. He just didn't like this one. And when I went in with that low expectation, I was able to kind of appreciate what the film had done very well obviously you can pick up some bits which aren't fabulous there's a few issues with the film but what i did really enjoy was that, yeah it was playing on the scrooge thing it also similar to what we just reviewed it did have a christmas vacation vibe because you've got this kind of character uh like his uh his obnoxious friends or, mm. or like neighbors yeah were, they're on yeah. the on the trip, on the well, trip yeah. and causing him to get into situations that he doesn't really want to get into mm. um and I, I just found watching the, the dad's exasperation just really enjoyable. I was just like, yeah. he's he's clearly having like the worst time of his and life. I, yeah. And I'm, I'm here for it. I was I was really enjoying it. Um, yeah. I did feel, you know, that right, one big issue with this film is they go to Lapland, right? Mm. This is the part thing that they, the, the wife switches their uh, plans to go to Lapland mm. instead of where they normally go in Scotland. And when they get to Lapland, it looks nothing like Lapland. I know. I was it's gonna clearly say that. Yeah. not Lapland. Yeah. It's clearly just somewhere in the UK that they found. Because, yeah. like, all the staff sound like they're from the UK. I know. I all know. the vehicles have got, like, UK license plates. And I'm just like, I get you, you know, we need to suspend disbelief. But yeah. maybe if you aren't planning on going to that location or at least being able to convince yeah. us that that's where you are, then don't put it in the story. Because yeah. I, I feel like they could have re redone yeah. this film differently without having yeah. to lose that sense of disbelief yeah the, i mean this is where i think a limited budget comes into play where the money just wasn't available but it was plainly obvious it wasn't disguised at all that you you knew for a fact they were nowhere near that though <laughs> you know but i mean as i say that's that's where you're exposed with a limited budget and uh, i think it it kind of makes up for it because I quite enjoyed the way the story unfolded gently. It gently unfolded. You you got to see why Kevin hated Christmas quite as much as he does. And you came to understand him more as a character. I like I like the introduction to the film where where he was in class with his students and they were talking about whether uh, Father Christmas was scientifically feasible. I like I enjoyed that. I've not seen that done before. Quite like that. So there's a lot to enjoy in the film. You know, there are things that they do very well, but it does get exposed slightly where they have, they don't have a lot of money to play with. And, and I think that what, that is, um, for me, that's when I, 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 I will judge a filmmaker based on that because you've got your story that you want to tell. I get that. Mm. But if you don't have the resources, you need to find a way to make the story work. And I mm -hmm. felt that that was a big part missing from this. Because when you compare this to something, it's quite similar in, in terms of 
I said, I suppose tone and aesthetics mm. to something like uh, Nativity, you know, with that British, yeah. Brit- yeah. very British film. Yeah. You've got a lot of non-actors in that film, mm. and you know they've done it in a, that can't be a big budget film. There's no way that's a big budget, yeah. other than Martin Freeman. Like it's quite a low low cast. You know, there's not many people yeah. that are going to be on the poster, mm. and the locations are all pretty simple. You know, it's like a school basically. And I felt with this, it was like, why are you trying to convince us this is Lapland? It's Mm. really annoying me. And I know, you know, the latter part of the film, there's a reason, but they could have written around that. They could have done it in a different way. That was the only thing that really kind of, I thought that's too ambitious. You've gone Mm. too ambitious. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's just there. Mm. And I think you're going to lose a lot of people with this. Yeah. Um, and then other than that i actually felt that the film had a lot to to offer like you said i think the dad is a great character the mum gets slightly written out a bit if i'm honest Mm. um but his relationship with his kids is really sort of interesting to watch you know how he's struggling uh, as a parent and how he is actually struggling as a husband as well and what he's trying Mm. to do and how this time of mm. the year is a, is a time to potentially address that yeah. um so i really i really like that yeah. and i thought the, the film has some really good set pieces in like they they've got this dry ski slope and things like that like yeah. added a little bit of like yeah that was good that was good fun yeah. bit of good fun yeah i yeah. think that's probably the best word for it yeah. um and it's it's quite twee but it's charming as well at times and yeah. i think as a british audience i think we'll get more out of this than you would say out of best christmas ever i think this is more geared towards a british well, audience who are going to well, understand the foibles of a character yeah like this. of course but i mean it's interesting that you can compare it to best christmas ever you know the the opening gambit of the story was that his wife changed the booking to me that's much more credible than yeah. the opening to best christmas ever where the kids put a different address into the into the satnav, that kind of hangs together better than best Christmas ever for me. If you were just comparing the two, where they kind of kickstart the story, this is how we get to where we are. This is how they get to the friend's house in best Christmas ever, and this is how we end up getting to Lapland because she simply switched the flights. That works better. That has more credibility. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is a very believable film. Um, yeah. That's that's def- um, other than the lap lamp bit. Um, yeah, apart from that, but I think the uh, yeah, if you if you're going to watch a Christmas film out of the two, I definitely pick Christmas time. I would I would watch this yeah. again, and that I think yeah. that's the power of a Christmas film. I said, oh yeah, I'd watch that again if that was yeah. on. I'd watch that. Um, I wouldn't watch Best Christmas Ever. I would no. I would avoid that. I, no, I don't think I'd watch it again, Best Christmas Ever. Particularly with the four stops after each word. I, I, I think it, yeah, 
gram- against- yeah, grammatically yeah. it was annoying. Yeah. Um, but against- Christmas against- time, not so yeah, no, Christmas time was good. So there you go. Um, let me find out if this is available. I believe it is going oh. to be available. But yes, I think you can rent or buy it on Prime Video, I believe. Um, so yeah, do check it out if you yeah. can get hold of uh, you know, a copy or watch it online. And yeah, let us know what you think of yeah. Christmas time. Um, we are now moving on to a web series. That's right, Brian. We are broadening our horizons. We're yeah. now into the TV miniseries. Why not? Um, yeah. This is a, an anthology uh, which has five episodes. This is available on Prime Video if you're in the UK. Uh, and I, th- I believe when I watched it, it was actually included in the Prime Video um uh, subscription, which is mm-hmm. really good. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. called Trail of Dark Matter. You think all of that will erase all the evil shit you did in the past? Is that what you think? I have no regrets in my past. No. None at all. No. I have accepted the blood of Christ. My God is a forgiving God. You may have the rest of the world fooled, but not us. I can see it in your eyes, what kind of man you are. I can feel it in my spirit, your truth. You can feel my truth. You know what? Fuck you. Fuck both of This follows five completely separate episodes, but they are in the same kind of universe. They, the, there mm. are characters which are shared between some of the episodes. Mm. Um, and each episode is largely co- uh, consisting of two main characters, probably, or, or three at the most. Mm conversing and in, in the same location for the whole piece now mm. on paper that feels quite limiting and it feels like mm. oh okay yeah is it, is it gonna be boring but i actually found every episode pretty engaging and it got increasingly mm. more um sort of sinister and controversial yeah. and the things that they were delving into became quite gripping mm. like any good uh, tv series does mm. um but like i said each episode on its own is still powerful to watch because you've yeah. got these two characters often going through a very sort of rich script, uh, you know, such as like the first episode is like about this couple chatting mm. um, and she wants to know why he left her. And they're going mm. through like all these like relationship problems that they had. Mm. And just that on its own, I found really compelling. I was watching that and I thought, oh, and then there's a little twist and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there was another episode where these two women are chatting in the laundrette. They come yeah. from quite different worlds, but then they realize actually they've got a lot of shared experiences as mm. women. And yeah, I won't, sort of spoil too many of the episodes because I think it's really worth people watching but what did you think of Trail of Dark Matter Brian? Yeah I, I really enjoyed all of them I think that as individual segments you can appreciate them they have a standalone feel but you can also watch them sort of in, in one go I I really enjoyed the the um, the head-to-heads where relationships failed so the ones that stand out for me because there are some, some are better than others to be fair but they're all good um, Old Flame, which was the, the first segment where the woman was having a conversation with her ex-boyfriend. Now, the ex-boyfriend, 
came across as something of a, a counselor or a therapist, trying to explain to her why their relationship didn't work out and trying to emphasize to her that it was just as much her as it was him. And I quite enjoyed the way they handled that. And bookending the, the five episodes was adversaries where an ex-boyfriend and girlfriend are tied up in a room somewhere. And you think, where on earth is this going? But it was fascinating to see the interplay between those two characters gradually unfolding, taking you to a place that you wouldn't really expect to be in terms of the plot. Very cleverly done. Um, I also thought um, uh, Blood Relations was good as well, where the brother and sister were meeting their father uh, and the brother had something to tell his father, which, of course, we won't divulge here, but very sort of um, engrossing sort of playlets, really. They're only 20 minutes long each, aren't they? I think the only one that didn't work quite as well for me was Strangers with the two girls in the laundrette. It seemed to to, uh, take too long to get to where it was going. There was something vaguely interesting about it, but probably wasn't as strong for me anyway as the other four. Um, I, I like that one. I was happy with that one. I yeah. thought I found the um, the two characters really interesting in terms of they were quite different. And then, yeah, yeah again, not not to spoil it, there is a bit of a twist uh, at yeah. the end. But and then, there's a twist in all of them and Kindred as well. Um, that's, that's the brother and sister preparing for a party, and the father turns up. Yeah, uh, that I would say actually, I, I like that one. That was probably yeah. my favourite one. They're 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 all good, but as I say, the. The um, strangest, I don't know, I'm not so sure about, but, you know, as I say, it's a bit like a, a sketch show, isn't it? You could call call this um, a serious sketch show where you've got fire sketches and reasonably quick fire, 20 minutes each, and they come at you at pace. They all, they all follow a, a similar theme because the, the title of the, um, the five episodes, the title of the series... Gives you some idea of how um, conversations can turn into in a certain direction, and they constantly surprise you. They all do. They're not what you're expecting. Very clever, but like any kind of sketch-based program, is that some stand out more than others, some work better than others. But overall, very impressed. Really very impressed. impressed. Yeah. As I say it's available on uh, Amazon Prime currently, uh, and it's Trail of Dark Matter. Mm. Yeah. Uh, thoroughly recommend it and we don't often review uh, web series but it has become more common now and I think it works these these work well as individual short Mm. films but it also works as an overall piece um, too Uh, just also to mention with Christmas time if you did want to find out more about the film it's at Instagram uh, Christmas time movie all one word Um, this doesn't have any uh, social media as far as I'm aware uh, trailer that matter but you can find it on Prime so you don't need social media to find out about it you can just go and watch it um, so that's trailer of dark matter mm-hmm. now moving on to a short film called Euroboros am mm-hmm. I saying that right Which, is that how you would say uh, it? I think that's how I would say Ooh, it Euroboros uh, we're getting into yeah. our Irish accents again yeah, yeah we are <laughs> it's, it's been an episode of that um, yeah. now this is an incredibly powerful short film uh, set in 1950s Ireland. Mm. And it starts with this quote. It's a sort of quote about, uh, is it trauma? Is it mm. Trauma uh, being a time traveller. Yeah. I, I am absolutely paraphrasing them, by the way. It's much more. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's deeper than film. that, but yeah, yeah that'll do. Yeah, yeah. That'll do. That'll do. Um, and yeah, a really 
powerful start to what is an incredibly powerful short film. It's only 10 minutes, mm. um, directed by Diamond Donahue. And yeah, it's about this girl. She's at the beginning of the film, she's sat by the lake with a, for what I guess is her boyfriend. Mm. She then realizes she's late for church. She runs off, forgets her shoes, and the her family chastise her when she gets there. Mm. Um, things then happen, and she gets committed to a, a mental hospital and the film takes on a very dark and sinister tone with mm. lots of sort of nightmarish sequences happening yeah. um what do you think of this one Mike? very good very disturbing very scary you know it we get to see inside uh moira's mind you know and experience flashbacks to key events in her life that affects her running through the corridors of her confinement again it's that word symbolism isn't it that she opens the door to another disturbing episode. And it is frightening to watch. It's gripping. It, you can't take your eyes off it. And it is indicative of uh, the attitude in a, a very strict and devout country like Ireland used to be. Um, and it feels, again, it feels real. You feel that sense of claustrophobia. It's incredibly powerful. Very grim, though, but, you know... There is someone who's, who's trying to break out of a, uh, a religious and emotional straitjacket, very strict, strict upbringing, and she's trying to live a normal life, have a boyfriend, have a relationship. And that sense of panic that kicks in when she realises she's late for church, and it gives you some insight into what faith can do. You know, it's almost kind of like a negative thing that faith does it where it becomes obsessive and it becomes restrictive, but frightening, incredibly frightening, but it's something that you, you try and not watch, but you, you have to watch. It's that type of thing, but they've captured an image and a, a view of life that we only hope and pray doesn't exist anymore. That it existed back in the fifties, but not now we hope and pray. But yeah. And obviously any film being made now, obviously you have to question why are they making this? And I think there mm. is this rise of conservatism and, you know, um, especially in the last few years since uh, old D Trump uh, rocked up mm. and caused everyone to get a bit crazy again. Um, mm. That I think there's always a reason to be telling these stories and also to not forget the people that went through these sort of yeah. situations. I think there's a, yeah. a, an homage page at the end. I think what was really powerful about this film was the way they captured not just like because you said like yeah they captured it visually but for mm. me it was the atmosphere because it was mm. very frenetic the editing mm. was like kind of terrifying yeah. and it it made you feel it almost in a palpable way of it being part of her experience and yeah. from what starts off is quite a sort of okay like, i wonder where this is going because it just mm. seems like a kind of average drama to go to being something a little bit more forceful it's mm. i mean it doesn't say it's a horror uh, as a category but i would say it is um it's a thriller kind of horror for me yeah, i yeah. found it horrific at times and and, mm. and very very compelling mm. um yeah it's 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 incredible it really powerful and you know when you watch a film like this you're watching it, you go yeah yeah we're in safe hands there's this mm. this whole cast whole crew knew the assignment they knew what they needed to pull off and they've pulled it off incredibly yeah. they've executed this absolutely perfectly yeah um, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Emma Dargan Reed deserves a, a mention, who plays Moira, the central character. He's very good. 
got great eyes, very, very, uh, very striking, um, very, very telegenic or photogenic. I'm not sure what's the right term, telegenic, photogenic, you know, but she comes across very well. Absolutely. Really yeah. powerful. Um, and yes, Euroboros. So that's U-R-O-B-O-R-O-S because I had trouble <laughs> spelling it as a view type. I know. Um, yeah. But that's definitely our ignorance, not theirs. Um, 100% recommend this film. Yeah, definitely. And you can find out more about it. If you go to Instagram and search for uh, their handle, which is Constant Motion Pictures, all one word, yeah. um, and you will find it. If you can't find it, drop us a line and we will point you in the right direction mm, i sure. don't know if it's available anywhere um as far as i'm aware it's not i think did we get a private screener uh yeah so mm. not available as far as i'm aware but definitely find out more if you can it's really powerful stuff um it's irish drama great performances incredible filmmaking mm. uh, very dark and atmospheric and it will mm. just it will linger with you as well. Like when I finished yeah. watching it, I felt it. I was like, "Oh, I'm still feeling that." Like yeah, way yeah, after definitely. finishing that film. Yeah. Um, so okay, we're sticking with the shorts. Uh, we are now going to review filmmaker Katia Plate's Las Nogas. The time has come to create the clouds that will hold our life-sustaining rain. The homie. Are nothing like their human ancestors. They understand that all life is interdependent. It was all of a sudden the homies became so sick. The water we've extracted from the homies' blood isn't even enough for one rainfall. Your Highness. I'm concerned the water my forefathers collected before the rain stopped won't last. There isn't one drop of water in the groundhog sister. And now with the homies being ill. We must figure out quickly what's wrong with the homies. Or we all die. Now, if ever there was a interesting premise, I think this mm. film is it. Uh it's a stop motion film mm -hmm. and set in the future um, where humans have kind of been eradicated by <laughs> was it, their own kind of mm. greed and stupidity, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, which mm -hmm. is yeah, 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 pretty much pretty scary straight away, but very on yeah. the nose. Um, and we're now living in a world of animals who are trying to uh, survive, I guess. Um, they're having quite a lot of problems there. Uh, making it rain. I believe this is a third part of a bigger set of films oh. that I believe is, is like a, they, they describe it as an ecological adventure. Um, cool. And yeah, there's a few characters that are kind of standing out. Yeah. I think one of the characters is called Dr. Alma. Um, mm. And there's going to be potentially a feature length about oh, that right. character. potentially. Okay. Um, and yeah, they need her because They've got these things called homies, which are characters that are, I believe, scraped from the remains of humans. Um, yeah. And they yeah. use those to potentially create <laughs> rain or water because they're now using up the last of their mm. reserves. But they are getting ill with this mysterious sickness and they need Dr. Alma to come and uh, save them. Now, if this sounds like I'm rambling, it's because I, it is a, it's a very hard film <laughs> to follow. Did you feel that way, Brian? Yeah, I... 
again, it's that word symbolism, isn't it? You know, yeah. that it's it's kind of it's talking about global warming, climate change. It's not, even nodding towards COVID, isn't it, and other mm. uh, fatal uh, viruses that that could could appear. But it's it's not particularly easy to follow. I mean, what I got from it, and this is what I got from it. I could be totally wrong about this, but you know, it's imagining a, a time when humans. As you as you pointed out, have uh, made themselves extinct. That it's they finally pushed the destruct button where they don't exist anymore. So the world has gone back to the animal kingdom, where it's just animals, yeah. and animals are uh, are basically in charge now. Now, Doctor Alma looks like a turkey to me, or is it turkey and hitch? Hitch, the, the scientist that contacts her, looks like an owl. They all look like birds or insect, insects to me. So I get the impression that, that the earth has gone back to nature now, that it is animals that's running the world, because animals were here before humans. That's what I was kind of getting from it. Now, it sounds like I'm rambling now, <laughs> but, but it shows how kind of challenging it is. You know, something that appears very simplistic. Stop motion animation is very simplistic, but that's what makes it watchable. That's what gives it an edge. But, um, you know, that's what I got from it. And it's very interpretational, but it, it does sort of touch on common themes that we should all be aware of. It's all about um, preserving the environment and imagining what might happen thousands yeah. of years in the future and i think like you know using stop motion to to go into these uh themes could have been oh, okay they're going to make it like a friendly you know child's uh child uh, aimed kind of piece but actually this is not at all aimed at younger audiences it's very no. much an older yeah. audience's yeah. film uh it's it's quite um disturbing i think at times mm. and there's bits that are, you know, some of the characters look quite creepy um mm. I think uh, in the review we did, Jason mentioned that it was kind of a bit, uh, what's that, Tim Burton film? The Nightmare, Night Before Christmas sort of. Oh, right, yeah. That yeah. kind of you know, idea. And yeah, I think what you know, Katia Plate is doing with this is quite bold. It's ambitious mm. and you know, I think it is difficult sometimes to follow, albeit it's definitely the third part um, I've looked into. It and yeah, the, yeah, there was a second part we reviewed quite a few years ago in 2018. Uh, called Meeting MacGuffin, and that was the sort of second in the film. It's all about global warming, so right. there must be a first part at some mm. point. So we're coming into this, you know, slightly later. Yeah. Um, but as it is, as a standalone film, it is very interesting. It's intricate. It's been brilliantly made, lovingly made. You know, yeah. There's so much here. I, I think my favorite part is a bit where she goes off on her bike and she mm. goes across the landscape on her little sort of motorbike, and I thought that was just delightful it was so great yeah. to watch um but i must say i think some of the harder hitting themes and the storyline were kind of less uh, attaching themselves to me um mm. I, I got i got the themes like i understood that but i don't yeah. think i was really immersed in that uh, yeah. that side of things um like i say yeah it's a proof of concept i think for a feature yeah. length about alma it's so got, if yeah, people it's got... want to check it out i think it's worth it just to yeah. sort of see what might be coming because i think with a longer time period and a more spaced mm. out approach to the plot might help mm. you know? it's got a lot going for it i think it's got potential and it's very watchable but it's very interpretational as well 
you know, but I think the, I think you you kind of broadly get the points it's trying to make that you know we only have one world. We need to look after the environment. We need to look after the climate. You know, you get all of that. You know, all those messages come through loud and clear. Uh, but it's it's also quite scary. You know, as you pointed out, it's not it's not one for kids at all. I, I think it's quite alarming when you look at the subject matter that it deals with. But then again, it, it's good that it's challenging. It should, you know, viewing shouldn't be that comfortable where it doesn't make you think at all. So I think it's important that it does that. Absolutely. Um, so that was last August, a short film. And you can find out more about Katia Plate uh, on uh, also on Instagram. So Katia Plate, all one word, um, or just drop us a line if you are interested. Mm. And we'll let you know um, whether or not you can see the film anywhere um, and also what's happening with the feature length because I would actually like to see it. I would like to see yeah. what this could look like as yeah. a feature that yeah. needs to maybe be structured in a way that the audience can get the whole thing in one go. Yeah. I feel like we've kind of been maybe brought in at the end of this and it's yeah. not making as much sense. Yeah, it needs to be a bit more accessible, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. So there you go. Moving to our last indie film, which is a feature length called Trust in Love. Dad, why are you here? Don't you have stuff to do for tonight? I told your mom I'd drive you home. She's really coming along, Mickey. She keeps us up, she'll have Olympic scouts swarming all over her. As long as that's the only thing swarming all over her. Right. That's my dad, Mickey Ferreira. He makes records. So you guys warmed up, you want to try one? We're so fun. That's my mom, Sophia. And I know what you're thinking, so stop. Everything okay? You and I started with nothing, so going back there wouldn't be such a big deal, right? My dad had this big surprise dinner. I want us to renew our wedding vows, yeah. Sophia, right here, right now. I want a divorce! Cody? Jennifer. Oh, we're done. When did you stop loving me? You're unavailable. Lawyer up, man up. Divorce is a full contact sport. You say decimate. What exactly does that mean? You don't want to know, Mickey. Your wife is in the driver's seat. What do you want, Mickey? I want my family back. Unless there is evidence of child or drug abuse. I can't. Hey, Dad. Hey, Cody. I definitely need a shrink. Jesus, what kind of man thinks of planting drugs in his wife's car? You have drugs? You're not going to be much of a father behind bars, Mickey. You guys okay? Yeah, we're fine. Trying to stay busy and pretend the very fabric of this family isn't being torn apart. Something that I want to tell you. We all have our moments. Sometimes they're fleeting, and some last a lifetime. I don't want to talk. Just tell me why. We were drifting apart. I felt unwanted. You went through some troubled times and it came through it because you chose to. That strength of character. Life is a moment. Don't you dare be scared to live it on your own terms. Do you think Sophia loves you enough to fight for this marriage like you will? Honestly, I don't know. How long do I have to do this? <laughs> Until your brain juice settles. And your melon is called. That's it. I'm done. Mickey, this is only the first step. So in this film, it's about a um, 
music producer who is going through the throes of a divorce um, and his son and daughter are obviously going to be victims in this situation. He, in the meantime, is also struggling with his career because he's got this band that have, you know, maybe they're, I think they're from, they are from the eighties or or something Mm, and they were, were famous, but now they're struggling to sort of make it in the, you know, post-social media world where you know they need a they need a hit to keep going, and never has it been harder for music yeah. artists to make it. And yeah, essentially, it's about the, the the main character, this this music producer, having mm-hmm. to come to terms with what's happening to his family and his career at the same time, mm-hmm. and his you know, rock and roll lifestyle, and whether or not that will carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed this. I actually thought it was it was serviceable. It worked. Um, don't get me wrong. There's parts to it which feel kind of uh, sort of light and cheeky that they sort of were getting away with. Um, mm. But it's got a kind of rock and roll film style. I like that mm. there was like bits where it would like pop up. Like they wanted, there was like a line in the film about films, and then it popped up. With like mm. a little message saying, "Oh, there's a uh, our recommended films that you should yeah. pick." So yeah. it kind of felt yeah. modern. It felt relevant. It felt yeah. that it was doing something to kind of uh, merge this sense of a, of an older character living in a, in the new world and, and mm. how the two lifestyles don't really gel. Um, what did you think of of this one, Ray? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's really breaking any new ground. I, I think the storyline itself is fairly predictable. You know, there you've got this record producer, Mickey Ferreira, who used to be a big noise, and he's got this band that they're trying to make a a make-or-break new album that's either going to push them to new heights or it's going to finish them off altogether. So he's under pressure. And his marriage is falling apart. His kids have got issues. I think it's a familiar storyline that we've we've seen, often seen before, but very likeable. And I like the music in the in the film as well. The music made by a band called Steelheart, who I'd never previously heard of, but I quite enjoyed the music too. And nice cameo from, shall we say, a well-known pop star from the 1960s, uh, pop star, who, who's, it's, it's always nice when you see a cameo. Yep. So I enjoyed that as well. Overall, yeah, really good fun, but nothing, nothing, um, Groundbreaking, mind-blowing, insofar that it's a fairly typical story of a failing relationship and the kids suffering because the marriage is is beginning to crumble. And uh, the glamour that attracted Sophie to to uh, Mickey is kind of fading now because he's not what he used to be. But I, I think the it's it's a very nice setup. It's very watchable, very likable, but. Nothing you haven't seen before, but enjoy the music. Watch it for the music. Yeah, that's what I got for it. Was the it was a tone thing. Obviously, I've mm. come from a music background. I enjoyed mm. that, um, and I liked that it was trying to grapple with some big themes like divorce. And there's like mm. a they talk about attempted suicide and yeah. like this. That it wasn't completely light, but yeah. I did feel that those things were kind of getting overshadowed by things scenes that were being like flashy for a flashy sake like yeah. swimming pools and supercars and tennis courts mm. and lots of 
the lifestyle stuff, which people mm. are going to want to watch like from the yeah. Instagram side of things, but it didn't really do anything for the for the plot. Mm. Um, but I think the, your enjoyment of this film really makes or breaks on whether or not you get on with the central character. Um, mm. I think he is flawed, and you know mm. he's not the the best role model. No. But I think if you're on his journey and you know, you're happy to to see where he goes, but I can imagine some people maybe not getting on board with that and i think the filmmakers know that that he is a kind of uh he's a strong presence because i think it's based on a real person um, yeah i think it pops up at the beginning and says that it is based on a real person um, and it's written by um jim Pachula, who plays mickey he wrote the screenplay didn't he as well so yeah. you you feel there's a, there's a closeness and an intimacy between the character and the actor yeah. which always always helps but you know like i say Good fun in as far as it goes. They did drop in some typical West Coast uh, rock cliches, but you kind of half expect it. But, you know, you, you take that for what it is. But, you know, good fun. It works. And it's a pleasant way to spend some time, which is what you've always got to judge a film by. You know, have I, have I just spent two hours watching a film and I'm not going to get those two hours back? Or can you say I enjoyed those two hours? You know, it's... That's the way you got to look at it, and I, I quite enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, I did too. I must say, yeah. as a, especially a feature length. Uh, yeah, these yeah. sort of films can be difficult if you aren't on board. I, I was. I, I, I found it more engaging than I thought I was going to. Um, yeah. If you are interested in in the film, uh, there is a website, trustinlovethemovie dot com. If that isn't your bag, uh, on Instagram you can find them, trustinlovethemovie, all one word. Um, mm. That is the only information I can offer at this stage. I don't yeah. know if it's out anywhere. Uh, I believe, again, we had a private screener for that mm. one. Um, but yes, that was Trust in Love, and that is all of the indie and short films we're going to review. If you have submitted your film recently, uh, as in this month or, or in November, um, we will be doing an extra show uh, mm. in December to catch up on all of the extra films we got submitted. We do have a lot. Uh, so thank mm, you for everyone yeah. who sends them yeah, in. Um, we just want to make sure we have enough time to go through all the films properly mm. rather than rushing them. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. Oh, I've made it through right. almost a whole episode and, uh, without you're, coughing. You're uh, a trooper. Absolute uh, trooper. But I, I, you know, Just before the, the nostalgia pick, I let out a cough because we need to, you know, Take a, an intake of breath, ready for what is our Christmas film review of the year. Mm. Uh, we're heading back to 1994's mm. Tim Allen starring the Santa Claus. Um, this is a firm childhood favourite of mine. I must say mm. I watched this a lot growing up. Uh, I was a, a kid in the 90s, so this kind oh. of ticked a lot of boxes <laughs> for me. Um, but uh, also... Um, it spawned a couple of sequels. Mm. Uh, not not going to go into those. <laughs> they they are very hit and miss. Um, <laughs> but but the original had a lot of charm. If you've not seen the film before, it is about a a dad played by Tim Allen, um, who Scott Calvin, and you, mm -hmm. your eagle ear listeners will realise SC Scott Calvin Santa Claus. It's hey. all linked. It's hey. all linked. Yeah. Um, he is having Christmas Eve with his son, who, uh, they're also, um, it's a divorce story, um, but he's spending Christmas Eve with his son and inadvertently knocks Santa off the roof 
um, and <laughs> mm. Sancho. As you do. As you do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite tough. it's quite dark if you aren't looking at this from the comedies. Yeah. San- Santa's yeah. dead quite early on in this <laughs> yeah, film. Um, Tim Allen then picks up the uh, the suit and wears it, and therefore accepts the Santa clause as mm. in a contract and becomes Santa. He then delivers all the presents of the night, but he believes it to be a dream at first and he kind of uh, writes it off as that. But then things start to happen and he starts to transform into Santa mm. whilst his son is going through the whole throes of whether or not he still believes in Santa. Mm. And yeah, it's it's a, it's got a lot of cynicism from Tim Allen you know there's a lot of funny lines and jokey stuff for the for the older people but there is also a very heavy fantasy element so you know what I was saying earlier this is a film that really just jumps two feet into the Santa idea Uh, we go to the North Pole we meet the elves you know all that stuff um as I said childhood favorite of mine but Brian had you seen this before and what's your feeling on it Yes, I had seen it before, a long time ago. I probably saw it when it first came out because I like your arms old enough to go to the movies, mate, man. I don't think you will, will you? <laughs> only just, though, Brian, right? You're only just. Oh, only just, yeah, yeah only just. just. We I won't was, go I, into it. I was more than, merely a child myself. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it is, I think it's very sweet, endearing, incredibly inventive. I love the idea that the moment he touches Santa's jacket, he creates a binding contract. And he becomes Santa Claus. I like that. It's very clever. It's a good play on words. And it explores a different angle to a typical plot for a Christmas movie. That is children who want to believe in Santa Claus, but they're getting to the point where they're questioning whether Santa Claus does exist or not. So I like that side of it. I I think it's just very inventive. I think Judge Reinhardt's very good playing the the smart-ass uh, would be stepfather, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the boyfriend to to the mother. I think he was really good. Tim Allen, I, I think, has has avoided um, big movie stardom a bit too often. I think he should be a bigger star than he really is. Um, yeah, he probably has equal fame play, playing Buzz Lightyear, doesn't he, from yeah. Toy Story? But I, I think I always felt that Tim Allen was capable of so much more and should be a bigger star than he is. But, you know, alongside Toy Story, Santa Claus is probably the film that we, we know him for. It's beautiful. It's beautifully put together. I think it's inventive. It's clever. And it, it I like the transformation where he gradually turns into Santa Claus, you know, where he just goes grey and his beard grows and he can't stop it and then his belly gets big, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I like it. I love all of that, that kind of gradual progression. And you you would be convinced he is Santa Claus. You'd think he's Father Christmas by the end of the film. So, you know, you pick some, I've got to say, Chris, you pick some great films for the nostalgia slot. And heaven knows there's a wide choice out there. But this is a good pick because I think, I honestly believe, as good as it is, I, I believe it's so underrated as a Christmas movie. Um, you know, it seems to be that Elf gets all the headlines, you know, of the recent yeah. Christmas movies. It's Elf. It's Will Ferrell. But what about Santa Claus? What about Santa Claus? What about Tim Allen? I so, so much prefer this to Elf. Uh, I like Elf. Yeah. It's, it's okay. But I think this... What, what I really love about this film is this, uh, this ongoing friction between what happens if you lose your sense of 
belief, you know, your faith, mm. yeah. the yeah. idea that you've you've lost that magic because you've decided that actually, yeah, the world is just as cynical as we all think it's meant to be, mm. and why bother? Yeah, mm. and like you see that in um, the three kind of adult characters displayed mm. in different ways. And what's really funny is because you've got Tim Allen. When he's talking to Charlie, his son, he's very much like, yeah, no, it's all real. Of course it's real. Yeah, like he yeah. really wants him to still believe, even yeah. though he himself is a very cynical character. Like when he's not with mm. Charlie, he's the one going, this is ridiculous. I, this isn't real. Why am I, why is this happening? Mm. And I think there is that really lovely kind of uh, dichotomy going on between the two mm. characters of, of mm. it, you know, he's living this double life that yeah. he's going to have to choose this path and accept that either he is Santa Mm. and you know give into that side of it or he's not and then it's mm. like the final nail in the coffin for him being mm. you know this like miserable uh, loner basically um and so there's that going on but all within what is actually quite a light and fluffy and mm. easygoing christmas yeah. film yeah. uh yeah i just thought it was a really good one to revisit it's on disney plus so it's very accessible mm. there are two more films and i would say they get worse <laughs> much worse um as, as like as sequels always do they always do almost um, always do it's it's not a great franchise and i no. think the the strength of the first film gets very diluted when they start moving into the other territory mm. and it, it starts to get very silly um but yeah no this really stood up still very funny uh mm. it's got a great score it's very whimsical lots of fun set pieces and bits for you to enjoy and like i said i think the fantasy element to it is really fun because this could have easily been different. It could have been like, oh, he's Santa, but like, you know, it's going to be more kind of sad and, and gritty mm. and upsetting. It's more like, no, 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 they're going to give you lots of the child side of it as well as the adult side of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, no, glad, glad you agree, Brian. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you haven't ruined my childhood as well. I thought no, you were coming. Just... Perish the thought, honestly. No, <laughs> brilliant. No, I really, I really enjoyed it, and it was great seeing it again because one thing that. In nostalgia slot dance, is that it reminds me of great films that I've seen and forgotten that I've seen. It's that type of thing. Yeah. You know, and that's what's great about the nostalgia uh, slot because it's a memory breaker and it makes me go back to films that I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed. And there we go. Yeah. Santa Claus, uh, available on Disney Plus. Now, that's it for this episode. Um, as I said, we'll be back in mid-December with an extra indie show and mm -hmm. then we won't be back till January uh, with, well, maybe a look ahead. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're doing in January. A look ahead? Sounds Yeah, good. yeah. That that will include a look ahead but there, there, are be, there will be plenty of films on general release that we can also review as well. Review. Yeah, we're, so we're going to play it by ear because by yeah. that point we'll be totally different people, me and Brian. We'll have advanced yeah. by a whole extra month. And I know. know, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're growing as people, aren't we? We're developing. Who knows? Mm. I might knock Santa off the roof and then I'll have to be him and, and I won't be able to do this podcast anymore. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You'll have a big fluffy white beard and you'll be busy all year long. Do you know what? The white beard's not far off anyway. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting quite white as it is. Don't <laughs> don't talk about that. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed uh, the UK Film Review podcast. This has been UK Film Club with me and Brian. There are mm. other shows to check out on our feed. So do go give those guys and gals lots of love. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, if this is the last episode you hear this year, then thank you for being with us. Mm -hmm. We hope to see you again in 2024. Yeah. Good season to you all. Good season to you all. Bye for now.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.